0: Rational Discussion, Common Sense, Open Debate, RCR, Reality Check Radio, with Paul Brennan. It's Wednesday morning here at RCR. Wednesday morning is Legal Hub morning, and uh, Nick Kearney and Katie Ashby-Coppins usually join me together, but Katie's not here this morning, it's just Nick Kearney. Morning, Nick, how are you? Morning, Paul.
1: Morning, lifters. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm very good, thank you. And you?
0: Not too bad I'm uh, always interested to uh, understand what we're going to be talking about The cases
1: Yeah, well, I'm missing missing Katie this morning It's good to have her uh, banter on the other side of the microphone But she's not here, so you've uh, you've We'll just just have to
0: make do with ourselves It reminds me of kind of like one of those legal TV shows You know, like uh, (laughs) There's always an interesting case or two And we sort of delve into them And we've got four to look at in this legal hub let's start with this because this will be of interest to many of our listeners customs versus well who and what's it about
1: uh, so it's customs versus a person uh, simply called gf and we don't know the person's name um gf was a from all accounts reasonably senior uh, person working in customs uh, had done for uh, a number of years worked there for a number of years, very experienced customs uh, uh, agent, person, officer. And uh, G.F. during the uh, COVID um, period uh, did not want to be vaccinated and refused to take the vaccine. And uh, customs, being a, of course, a you know part of the government, a government department and quite an important one, I suppose. Uh, and they had the mandate imposed on them, and they said, well, we've mandated, you you must take it. And uh, GF said, well, you know, no, I'm not. And it, it, it boiled down, uh, well, when it boiled down to its uh, customs dismissed her or him or her from, uh, from the job and said, you are, you, I'm sorry, you can't do your job, you're out. Um, and, and I can only, I haven't read the case in too much detail, but I can only presume it's, uh, you know, defying a reasonable work order or uh, serious misconduct or something like that. So, uh, GF was dismissed from customs and she took customs to the Employment Tribunal. And uh, just last week then, uh, the tribunal came out uh, and issued a decision in favour of GF and against customs and said that the the customs service had not considered uh, all of her situation, had not considered... um, uh, her position, and uh, and basically, she was un- unjustifiably um, dismissed, and she suffered a unjustifiable disadvantage um, through the fact that she ha- had a legitimate expectation, I suppose, or argument that she you know didn't didn't want to be uh, vaccinated, and they should have taken her his or her concerns more seriously. Um, and so she won. She won against customs. But in- interestingly, another side aspect to this is that. Uh, an amendment to the, I think it's the Public Service Act, which is a legislation right. of, yep. of public services. And two or three years ago, required all public um, uh, service employers, or essentially government departments, to follow uh, to follow the rules of tikanga, Māori. And, um, and therefore, the principles of tikanga, whatever they might be in this particular case, were meant to be embedded into the employment relationship here. And GF argued that her tikanga rights, uh, I keep saying her, but for some reason I think it's a her. Yeah, I, uh, do you I know more about this than we know? <laughs> no, I don't. And I, and I hand on heart genuinely don't know if it's a her or he. So uh, we just call her they perhaps in this day and age. We can call them, them, they. Them, yeah. them they, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, GF argued that his uh, or uh, her tikanga rights had been breached and that customs had not uh, followed the legislation and had not followed uh, what was prescribed uh, in law in respect of the tikanga rights. And again, um, the court found that if, well, found in their favour and, and they essentially said, look, if Parliament has, well, let's backtrack a second. The customs argument, well, one of them was that uh, GF was not mouldy and therefore could not claim uh, right t- okay. tikanga law. Yeah. Yep. But in, in the original tikanga, tikanga case in, in Alice, of course, Peter Ellis wasn't mouldy at all either, uh, but the Supreme Court there said it didn't matter. So um, uh, it wasn't really going to, that argument wasn't really going to wash, I don't think, the customs here. But they tried it and the court said, no, 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 if it's in legislation um, that you that, that you have to follow these principles, then you must follow these principles. And so this is a case where GF argued that her rights had been breached uh, and I, and I, didn't, I haven't read the case in detail, so I don't know exactly what they were, because the Te principles can be uh, many and varied, uh, but uh, I guess long story short, the employment tribunal said uh, we agree. Um, there's also been a breach of Te here too. So uh, I've been a little bit uh, critical of Te rights uh, in the last few weeks on the show, and uh, maybe this is one case where I'm a little bit pleased to see them uh, you know, come with the cream right to the top, so to speak.
0: It might have something to do with genetics because I think tikanga involves, you know, your your whakapapa and any interference with the, I mean, I'm making a bit of a stab in the dark, but I've heard this talked about before, that um, any altering of, of genetics is, is an issue there. So I guess that goes for anyone. Could be that. And, and you can kind of see how that makes a bit of sense
1: you can. You can, and that's in fact. If I'm just going off memory, uh, I think the parts of the case I did read, I think that's that's what it was actually. Yeah. Okay. There you to go. Do with the like a puppet genealogy and and yeah, not interrupting the, uh, you know, the sky mother or earth father, or whatever it was, in, in the human body. And yeah. In, in regards yeah. to the vaccine, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This
0: is interesting because if if this is used by a lot of people as um, a pushback to whatever. The legislators are in a difficult position because you can't deny Māori of their tikanga, I guess, and you can't say, you, you can't legislate for a group to be able to access this specifically without getting a whole lot of other people
1: offside. This is a very difficult situation, potentially, if you want to undo it. Well, I think what you're um, saying there, uh, essentially, and you're quite right, is that the the law must apply to everybody, regardless of the colour of the skin. And, of course, that um, is a fundamental proposition of the rule of law. And if Parliament has passed a law that says this principle applies in these situations, then it has to apply for everybody. Um, It would have to apply for everybody. Regardless of whether that person who was trying to utilise it was could uh, prove you know affiliation to Nati Piro or 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 uh, Nati or whatever or could not, and so uh, yeah, maybe this wasn't look maybe this wasn't in the legislator in the parliament's mind. I think I, think I don't actually, think so. <laughs> no, no, and, and I think you know um, I think this particular. Um, amendment to the legislation might have, it was pushed through in this government and I think again if I go back to um what I read in the case I think the certain Prime Minister Mr Hipkins might have had a bit to do with it too okay so
0: it could be seen as a some kind of own goal
1: yeah hundred uh, percent so I, I would suspect uh unintended consequence perhaps
0: yeah this could be a gift actually
1: well um you know uh you can use the law as, as a shield or a sword in, in a lot of ways. And, yeah. um, you know, in this instance and maybe in other ways, uh, instances in particular in respect to tech, it could be used as a sword. But, you know, we, we saw last week, of course, uh, we discussed the uh, the case of the lady at the Blind Institute, who again won her, her case in respect of the, the vaccine and her refusal to take the vaccine. And now we have another employee. And this person here, GF, uh, reading some of the commentary during the week and it was actually um I, I found it actually on Twitter when I was scrolling through Twitter one time, but um and I look I have to say I try not to do that very often because it's uh, Of course you don't <laughs> it's, a, it's a very uh it's a very uh, toxic maybe not the word but goodness anyway but uh, GF uh, was obviously not a person of high financial means and the pers- per- per- the lawyers backing GF um, some of them did it for free, and she was he or she was on legal aid. And but one of the other interesting things as well, which came out of it, which GF was very, um, I guess, uh, annoyed about, is that sh- he or she um, uh, obtained legal aid to fight the battle, yeah. which is you know taxpayers' money, and uh, and won and now uh there is, she had a debt owing to the crown to repay her legal aid bill following her his or her case so um i, I guess you know if there's one thing that gf could do uh, if uh, he or she is uh is listening or if someone knows gf um maybe you know maybe the um the community we have here could set up a given little page to raise some money to help her pay That's back. It's not a, bad idea. That's not got a basic, bad idea. She or he has done a good um, a good service here, done a good thing. Yeah, Fight, fighting back against the empire, basically. Yeah, and it's taken taken two years too from what I remember.
0: Yeah. As always, that takes ages, is not it?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, let's move to the next one. A protester who breached COVID restrictions to attend Brian Tamaki rally refused... Discharge without conviction—that um, doesn't sound right.
1: Well, it, it just shows, um, actually, some of the inconsistencies around uh, the, the criminal law and how it has been applied, uh, you know, during the COVID time. So, this was a lady, um, uh, Tina Steedman, and I can say her name because it's in the judgment. Uh, convicted in July last year of breaching the uh, COVID nineteen. Public Health Response Act 2020 and the Public Health Response Alert Level Requirements Orders. Uh, she did the hideous thing, I'm sorry, Paul, of travelling uh, to Auckland from Happy to attend a public protest organised by Destiny Church uh, founder Brian Tamaki on 16
0: October. Naughty, naughty, naughty.
1: Yeah, and if you remember, that was the one that uh, he put on, I think, probably the one at the Auckland Domain. I think he put on one I, of think I,
0: I, I think I attended it, actually.
1: Yeah. And look, just as a you know, a bit of a segue there, perhaps, but I remember that uh, as well. And if I remember rightly, he went out of his way to try and uh, cooperate with police to put in place uh, restrictions, you know, and put in place procedures and policies and restrictions so that they could have a uh, not just an orderly protest, but one where, you know, the people who attended could stand two metres apart and have to wear a mask or et cetera. And I'm sure he had a couple of pre... Protest meetings with the um, commissioner, I think, if, if I remember rightly. Um, and anyway, um, so he, you know, he went out of his way to try and um, placate the constabulary. But this lady travelled up from um, Taihape and committed the hideous offence of driving through a, you know, driving out of her area when she wasn't meant to. Um, she argued essentially for. Um, a discharge without conviction on the basis that she has enshrined rights in the Bill of Rights to freedom of peaceful assembly and freedom of association and movement. And uh and that's all she was doing was exercising her rights set out in the Bill of Rights. Uh, the judge found actually that yes, um um her rights of uh freedom of um uh, peaceful assembly and freedom of movement was in fact breached by the restrictions that were placed upon her through the COVID orders. Uh, but uh, but, he, but the judge said that, um, as we have found in other COVID cases, that that was a justifiable limitation on uh, on the right. Um, uh, of course, we know that that's not true. That's, bull, that's BS. Well, of course it is. I mean, I yeah, I, th- I think you're right. But anyway, that... Uh, you know i I suppose they're thinking uh, the courts are thinking, well, we had a you know public health emergency, there's a global pandemic, and there's eighty thousand people going to die unless we lock everybody down and all wear masks and get five boosters so that was just a justifiable limitation on her right to drive up to Auckland with all that stuff. Well, anyway, let's hope it never happens again, but um. Yeah, but she she anyway she uh, applied for discharge without conviction and said, "Well, look, at the end of the day, all I did was basically get my car drive to Auckland and back, and that's really the crime of the century." Big deal, big deal. But the court has said, "Sorry, lady, uh, you couldn't prove to my satisfaction that um, that the effect of a conviction upon you um, is overly serious, and accepted her employment was not currently affected, and therefore." Uh, you know, the, the effect of their conviction really didn't have much um, impact on her life at all. So, we've denied her application for discharge without conviction. Now, that's all well and good. But of course, you know, what we've seen uh, over the you know, last few weeks, particularly with that young man who was, um, um, you know, punched that elderly person uh, at the Posey Parker protest. Uh, and initially he got diversion, which I think we talked last week now may be overturning that. Now we're we'll having a second look at it. But, um, you know, I, I think in some of these cases um, arising out of COVID, there's a, I, th- I think there's been a hugely disproportionate response by both uh, the courts and the, and the police. And, and, and if I remember, I think the first show that we had or one of the first shows that we had here, uh, we talked about, um, and uh, uh he organized to a to protest in Auckland outside TV and studios. And him and his sidekick went to jail, yeah, for
0: three months, right? Yeah, three months
1: yeah. went to jail for three months, you know. And so, you organize the protest to try and uphold your rights, which are enshrined in our constitution. You go to jail, uh, you turn up and you punch an old lady, uh, three or four times. Um, who's standing up for women's rights, actually, at a Posey-Parker protest, and you offer diversion. How does that work? How, how in the hell does that work? Well, 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 well exactly? I think we, a lot of people will be shaking their head, actually, and, and wondering, where have we got to in this country that these sort of discrepancies um, uh, exist? The assault on the woman was caught on camera, for God's sake. Yeah, well, I just... So just, um, well, it was, and in fact, um, I I think I've seen some, uh, and I think I can, uh, I don't think I'm breaking any um, uh, confidences here or anything like that, but I've heard this week that the IPCA, uh, uh, the uh, Police Complaints Authority, has received enough complaints on the police uh, action or uh, inaction at the Posey Parker protest that they are now conducting an independent investigation into the police response there, um, okay. With, gee, with, yeah, which may include their their lack of response because, as we know, they didn't do much to uh, prevent disorder or breach of the peace. There, they stood back um, pretty much and allowed um, the melee to occur. I think who knows why, but um, anyway, yeah. But the IPCA is sufficiently concerned now at at the events of that day. We're going to have another you know large uh, report issued by the IPCA into into that. So. Um, goodness gracious. I mean, um, I guess we can wait, you know, we'll wait another year for that to come out and then we'll look back and, um, retrospectively and say, oh, goodness, shouldn't we have done things better then, like we did with the, um, the report uh, of the Wellington protest? But
0: kind of us about face, yeah. to use a non technical term. Okay, let's go to the next thing, and that is the Far North District Council getting a court order to move squatters off public land? Okay, what's that about?
1: Yeah, so for many, 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 many months, in fact, um, this may even have been going on for a year. It doesn't say in the judgment how long, or not the article I'm reading, at least, but I, I have heard uh, separate complaints from people who live up uh, Waitangi, Kiri, Kiri Way, about these squatters. So there have been, near the uh, TMRI MRI uh, uh, up at Waitangi, um, the district council owns and manages a recreation reserve and an access way, um, which were being occupied by a number of people, um, again for uh, many, many, many months, um, perhaps even up to close to a year. Uh, and these people had erected, you know, various structures and created pathways over both properties, and um, and actually had erected some infrastructure in a similar way to the protesters at Wellington had done. Uh, down there. Now, the, the occupiers here had no permission, consent, or license to be there. They and, and they had actually ignored uh, trespass notices served on them. Now the and, and and just reading reading from the article, and this will be familiar to um some of your listeners, the ongoing occupation was preventing the recreation reserve and access way, joining access way from being used for their respective purposes and causing a disturbance to the public. So we we you know we've heard that before. That was um, kind of the arguments used down in Wellington, of course. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Uh, where it get, where it gets interesting is the council uh, went to the police and said, "Hey, look, you know, um, we've got trespass notices here." Uh so anyway, the council the council had, um, had called on the police and said, "Hey, can you guys, you know, they've got trespass orders here. They are. Can you please throw them out? Uh, get rid of them?" Uh, but the police didn't. They advised they wouldn't do that. And they said the council, um, uh, they advised the council that they would not support an eviction of these protesters without a court order. And as a result, the council had to apply uh, to the High Court for a possession order for the return of their public land um, and then to get basically the, um, the, the bailiffs and the police to act on that court order. Um, and the court, the court granted the order, of course, and they granted. They said that all persons in occupation must quit and remove all possession structures and other improvements within three working days, and, and they declared that the um, uh, the council could remove any persons or possessions that were remained on that land after three working days. So, um, I, I just thought again uh, another inconsistency in the way the law was applied, uh, and certainly. You know, if that had been down in Wellington, uh, I mean, I, should, I, I know the police will say, well, Wellington was different because there were thousands of people there. There's only, you know, 50 or 60 or 80 up here in, in Waitangi. But um, maybe the police had learned from Wellington and thought, well, you know, I think we need to actually... Yeah, do you really uh, think so? <laughs> no, I don't. No, no, I don't. I, I actually, what I actually think is that uh, because of the sensitive nature of, of the land and the protesters and what they were protesting about, Um, the police were too scared to act, basically. That's what I think. Um, uh, Yeah, so anyway, again, but it's just another example. But that's only what I think is, I don't know. Uh, Another example of the inconsistently applied uh, across across the country in terms of parties who occupy land uh, and refuse to move. Depends on who you are, really. And maybe what your cause is. Because I do, if you remember as well, there have been two other instances of occupations uh, recently. There's that... Uh, occupation out by Auckland airport from the um a, a couple of iwi I think who wanted the land back from Fletcher's Ihumato yeah Ihumato yeah that's right and of course they occupied the land out there for a long time and uh, wouldn't move until I think didn't the prime minister at the time, uh, Jacinda Ardern, step in and try and solve it? I'm like, I can't remember. Anyway, but there's also some land down in Wellington, and um is yes, near the
0: near the airport,
1: near yeah. the airport, that Shelly uh, Bay, Shelly Bay. Bay. Yeah, where, and, and is that still being occupied? I've been there for a while. Are uh, there I think tents and uh, stuff up there. No, I think it, that's gone now. Yeah, right. But they were there for many months too, weren't they? I think squatters and oh, agents. Yeah, long time. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, you know, so in um, uh, all those instances, I never saw police in riot gear with, um, you know, tear gas and uh, truncheons and everything else, you know, um, storming in and uh, removing people and throwing them all, uh, to to one side, and, you know, yeah. uh, th- picking up their tents and whatever. So, yeah, um, different, I guess, different uh, rules for, I guess, depending on who you are and what you're protesting about, perhaps.
0: Yeah, I don't think that they've um, decided to do anything different after the Wellington experience. It's just case by case, isn't it, really, in the end?
1: Yeah, I think you're probably right, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, and our final topic is real estate agent uses BORA argument against IRD in the High Court. What's BORA?
1: Uh, well, it's, it's a, um, a legal acronym for Bill of Rights Act. Okay, recently. all right. Yeah, okay. Bora 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 yeah Uh, it's it's sometimes abbreviated to NZ Bora New Zealand but just basically Bora right so uh, we've got a situation here where a um, he's he's a real estate agent but he's commonly referred to in this case as as a taxpayer Uh, a taxpayer was prosecuted by the uh, by the IRD for uh, failing to um, uh, pay GST file tax returns and, and what have you what have you now he was warned by the IRD uh, before they commenced an investigation. He didn't have to answer their questions. He could stay silent, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and he did not answer their questions. Um, As it transpired, there were two separate prosecutions. There was a civil prosecution and a criminal uh, prosecution and evidence that uh, that the IRD used um, in the the civil case and was presented as being um, admissions, I guess, by him. The taxpayer were then transferred into the criminal case against him, and he said, "Well, hang on a sec. I was given, you know, a bill of rights warning that uh, I didn't have to say anything to you, and I didn't say anything to you, um, and I didn't give you anything to use against me. And now you've used documentation in the civil case against me in a criminal case in a situation where I have a right of silence in the criminal case, and that's and this relates to those documents. So that's what his argument, and he and so the judge." Um, uh, stayed the criminal trial and said actually this is unfair And but the IRD pursued the prosecution and he, uh, he basically sued uh, the IRD uh, looking for a declaration that they had breached his right to silence as guaranteed by um, Section 25D of the, uh, the BORA uh, by filing charges against him after compelling him To provide information, and then by continuing that prosecution until it was stayed by the court. Now, the High Court judge, uh, Justice Gwynne, agreed and said that the uh, commissioner's, if the uh, IID commissioner's decision to lay charges when she did was, quote, highly reckless at best, uh, and the damage suffered by the taxpayer arose from the breach of his fair trial rights. And he was awarded damages um, of $71,000, which were his legal costs, and $5,000 for uh, emotional harm, uh, which was evidence put forward by a clinical psychologist. He's got the best part of $76,000 back from IRD. Now, one of the things that um, our New Zealand Bill of Rights Act allows, and it's only, I'm sorry, it, it didn't happen immediately when it came in in 1990, but Perhaps about six or eight years after it came in, um the leading case and it's called Bajan's case was um where Louis has argued basically that look if if there's been a breach of the Bill of Rights, um we have the ability of the crown the crown should pay some compensation because the right has been breached, and um it, you know we can't assess we can't assess unlike a civil case where you can actually say, well I I lost $20,000 from that breach of contract, and here's the, here's the invoices and receipts. Then uh, a, a case for a breach of Bill of Rights, um, you haven't got really that that um, that financial loss. So the lawyers said, well, the Crown should just pay something anyway for recognition that this individual's rights that he has or she has against the state have been breached. And that's called uh, Bajan's case, quite a famous case in the Bill of Rights, and it was uh, agreed to by the, I think, the then Court of Appeal and so um, that now allows, and it has since allowed um, compensation and damages to be paid against the crown to individuals who win their cases uh, for breach of the bill of rights. Um, not every not every uh, case is, gets a bagent award of damages, but this this taxpayer did uh, to the tune of um, of seventy six thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, that's quite a legal bill. Obviously, quite a bit of work there. Or is that not even a yeah, big yeah. bill?
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, goodness gracious! It's hard to say. I mean, actually, you know, like it might sound a lot, a lot of you know, lots um, in terms of pay legal fees, but generally in court cases that the winning side gets a contribution towards the legal costs from the losing side. Okay, and that yeah. and that contribution is usually around about sixty, maybe seventy percent of the total costs. So, um, so if, if that guideline is, you know, um, well, if this award here is similar to that guideline. Then perhaps his legal cost could have been in excess of hundred thousand dollars. Yes, and just thinking, yeah. even more. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. But anyway, I think look, it's not very often that a uh, you know a, t- a taxpayer and uh, look, I love these stories. I-, I love a story of a taxpayer taking on the IID and the commissioner uh, and saying, "Buggy you, you breached my rights, and he wins or she <laughs> wins, right?" And yeah. I love the fact, I love the fact that a customs officer can take on the mighty customs. Uh, and service, yeah, you know, the yeah, the mighty
0: customs department, yeah,
1: mighty customs department that you know the mandate orders and and the tikanga stuff and can win. Uh, and I like the fact that you know someone working for the blind institute for twenty years can say, actually, I've got rights too, and I don't need to be vaccinated. I work from home, and and I can win. You know, and they take them on, they do win. And so, I, I guess when you hear of these things, it, it, you know, you, you can get a bit despondent, thinking, goodness, there's always an uphill battle against the the power and might of the state. Seems these to be
0: people, most of the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, true. But these people are winning, you know? So um it's not all it's not all bad news.
0: All right. Any final comments on any of those um cases before we wind up our legal hub for this week with just you flying solo? <laughs>
1: just me, have I done flying solo?
0: you have done great.
1: Done it right, yeah. Watch
0: out, Katie. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, okay. I, do, I, I do miss Katie's dulcet tones, but she'll be back next week. No, that, look, that's pretty much all I have um, for, the, for this week. And, uh, you know, I guess stay tuned. We'll have another riveting show. Uh, for
0: oh, me. yeah, riveting. Yeah, it'll, it will be. It has to be.
1: Yeah. And it may well be actually next week we delve into a bit more detail of this uh, customs case with Mr. or Mrs. GF and pull out some of the detail and uh, analyze that a bit more closely.
0: I think that'd be good. Mm-hmm. All right, Nick Kearney, thanks for coming on this morning and doing a great job on Legal Hub. And we'll talk to you next week. Okay, Paul, have a good day. See you. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.